the Sports Corner Podcast, episode 87. It's 40 days until the NCAA football season returns, and that means it's time to jump into some preseason preview. Tonight, Stephen and I are looking at the Pac-12. We're going to recap a little bit of last year, a lot of the off-season shenanigans, and then talk about the upcoming expectations, predictions, etc. for the Pac-12 conference. Stephen, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. We're trying Uh-oh. something new tonight on the podcast. Well, not yeah. it is new. So in the past, we have attempted to stream on Facebook, but that took us off of Twitch. And so, you know, we have kind of a pretty diverse audience, and I hated losing out on that. So we're trying something tonight. We're on both Facebook and on Twitch. We're on my personal Facebook page, though, not the Sports Corner page. Because it's a free trial, and I didn't want to spend money to know if this wasn't something worth doing. But So if you are listening right now live and you're on Facebook, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, We are a sports podcast. Uh, As you can tell from the little introduction there, we're about 87 episodes deep into this bad boy. And so uh, we enjoy it, and we especially enjoy talking college football. That's our bread and butter. And we're getting to the point where we can reasonably talk about it without feeling like we are, you know, pulling... Add, uh, you know, the loose straws in the bottom of my hat or something. So exciting. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. blink of an eye, man. There. Blink of We've an eye, really. Made it. Like, you know, we talked about this last week about how we were getting close. But today when I looked it up, I was like, typed it into Google days until kickoff. And it was like 40 days until college football returns. And uh, that feels good. Like, yeah, I feel media like I can day, media days are kind of the unofficial start of uh, when you can start getting excited about college football being back and. The Big 12 was last week. I believe the SEC is this week. So, In complete fairness, college football did us well this offseason by giving us a lot to talk about between yeah. NIL stuff, a couple of scandal stuff, the Pac-12. Uh, we, in fact, we talked about the Pac-12 last week because of all of the breaking news that happened yeah. there the last two weeks. And yes, so and we're kind of continuing that conversation. So tonight you'll notice that we don't spend a lot of time. In fact, I don't know that we'll really spend any time recapping the big trade, uh, or not trade, but the big conference realignment. I'm sure we'll have to mention it at some point briefly, um, but we're not going to really focus on that tonight because we talked about it last week. Go back in the archives, listen to last week's episode. Speaking of that, let me give us a couple of notes before we jump in. Steven, is that okay? You do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. The Sports Corner Podcast is recorded live on Twitch and as of tonight, at least currently, Facebook, each Monday night at roughly 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We're on Facebook right now on my personal personal channel, uh, and then on Twitch at twitch.tv slash pastornick86. Podcast is also uploaded to your favorite podcast app on the following evening. So if you maybe are catching this podcast a little bit late um, or you want to go back and listen to it, we are on your favorite podcast app, including, you know iTunes, uh, Stitcher, um, Google Play, and of course my personal favorite, Spotify. That's where I listen to all my podcast at. Uh, podcast at now. Uh, we're on all those. So if you find us on there, please leave us a five star review. Follow along. Help us with those analytics. We would greatly appreciate it. But we're going to be the po- podcast will be uploaded there by Tuesday morning, and then you can also come and hang out and follow us on um, our social media. Uh, accounts. Um, I'm at uh, Pastor Nick 86. Stephen is at Stephen McCoy 23. And then the show is on both Facebook and Twitter at Sports Corner 865. And then the very best place, 
to find us is on our Discord. We have a Discord server, um, and you can come and hang out there. The link to that um, is going to be in both the uh, chats, so you can follow along there. Also, if you're listening on the podcast, then it is going to be on the uh, show notes, so just click those show notes. There'll be a link there for the Discord, and you can come and uh, just chat with us there. We have channels for gaming, we have channels for sports, we have channels for just about everything, including Epic Beard Pictures. So come join, be a part of that community. Uh, Richard, good evening. Thanks for joining in. Hope you uh, will stick around and give us some feedback on some Pac-12 football, because that's what we're talking about tonight, Stephen. It is. I want to go ahead and apologize for any coughing you might hear. I told you last week I COVID tested and I was negative. You did. Um, Two days later, I went and got tested again and I was positive, so... Mm -hmm. On the mend, went back it makes to work me glad today. that we record this um, in great distance from each other. Yeah, we record this <clears> in the rooms next to each other. So, um, you, uh, yeah, you are my roommate. That's true. That is true. <laughs> so, no, I'm on the mend now. All good. good. A little residual to, cough, perhaps, though, huh? Yes, just that. So, I'm eating cough drops like candy. So, it's all good. okay. That's good. Good. A way to admit to the viewing audience that you're abusing medication. We appreciate that. You know, anything for you guys. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Stephen, we're, uh, again, we are ready to break down and get ready for this upcoming college football season. And if you were not a part of the show last year, maybe we have some newer audience members. What we like to do as we get into this close to the next season is to really go conference by conference and just um, prepare people for what's coming up. Because I have to admit, as someone who is a fan of Oklahoma, grew up a fan of OU, um, but now live in Tennessee, so I follow the volunteers. Like I know, I know a lot about OU. I know quite a bit about Tennessee, and I'll know quite a bit about both of the conferences that they're in, just by necessity of wanting to know about the opponents. But I know very little Pac-12. I know very little Big Ten, or well, you know all these others, uh, just because I don't spend a lot of time there. So maybe you're out here listening, and you are a huge Ohio State fan, but you're wondering what's going to happen in the Pac-12 this year. We got you. We're here for you. Maybe you're a huge Pac-12 fan and you're going to sit there and rip out your hair over what we say because you're like, how can these guys get it so wrong? That's fine. We want to make you mad because you're more likely to engage with us at that point and write and yell at us and all that kind of stuff. So it's a win-win for us. I agree. So let's and do so it. with that, with that, <clears throat> let's just dive in. I'll start. Yeah. I'll recap last year. Okay. So last year, Utah beat Oregon in the mm-hmm. title game. Only two teams in the Pac-12 finished the season ranked in the final college football playoff rankings, kind of the unofficial official rankings for college football. Um, Utah finished at number 11, and Oregon finished at number 14. And the Pac-12 went 0-5 in bowl games last year. Um, UCLA canceled their matchup with NC State, so not an official loss, although we can give them a loss and they can be 0-6 if you want. Sure. Um, No Heisman finalists, no playoff contenders. Um... Overall, a fairly bad year for the Pac-12. If I, a fairly I bad year for a fairly bad conference. I went yeah. back and I checked my notes, Stephen, because we, uh, we of course, did a Pac-12 preview before yeah. last season. Um, so in my notes from last year, I will give a little bit of credit because I had Oregon playing against either Utah or USC, saying that USC had the easier path to get there, but the higher probability to fall apart on the way mm-hmm. there. So I did, did now... They did. So I did nail the championship matchup. However, I was incorrect in the victor because I said that um, Oregon would go ahead and squeak out the victory there. But I feel good about that. Um, We also said both of us uh, were pretty unanimous last year uh, in saying that 
the only chance of a Pac-12 team getting into the playoffs would be, you know, needing some help from some other teams losing, and then it'd be their conference champion if somehow they could get them in there. And in fairness, I did say that, um, you know, if they can get a respectable-looking team to win the championship, they'd probably get in there because it's been a long time since the Pac-12 yeah. has not only won the playoffs but has had an appearance in the playoffs. Yeah. Right, Oregon sure. was, I think, the last one, and that was many, mm-hmm. many moons ago. So it's not been a yeah. good stretch for the Pac-12. I guess this is where we can say, because we're kind of talking about recapping last season, and I guess before we jump into what happens next, this upcoming season, this will be the point where we'll just plug one last time, that in an off season of a lot of moves and a lot of craziness, um, probably the biggest news has been that both USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12 in the near future to go join the Big Ten, and that's going to be a big shakeup for the Pac-12. It's a conference that's already <clears throat> struggling to be prominent in the national spotlight and losing two teams, granted that at the moment aren't necessarily like the best teams in the world, um, but they are big market teams. They're also historically popular teams, and we'll get into this, of course, as we continue talking about USC, but at least one of those teams, um, you know, looks to be on the rise, ideally. I mean, that's what they're certainly hoping. And then UCLA, with Chip Kelly as a head coach, could certainly, you know, strike that lightning any minute and become prevalent. So these were two teams that you were certainly hoping on being bright faces in your conference moving forward. And now within a couple of years, neither one of them are even going to exist in your conference. So that's huge news. But again, go back and listen to last week's episode for more information about that. USC is kind of the torchbearer out in the Pac-12. So it's a big loss. For sure. Uh, But you said it good. Um, No Heisman finalists. We'll talk about, you know, some more Heisman predictions for this upcoming year from the conference. Um, They had no finalists last year. Maybe gonna have the same, you know, situation this year. Uh, no playoff contenders. So let's talk about. I guess. I guess this is kind of looking back a little bit as well because we're talking about some new coaches, um, new faces over into the conference. Um, so let's talk about some new coaches, some key transfers that happened, and then we'll kind of really start jumping into. I guess this year. Although some of these new coaches obviously are gonna play a big factor in what happens this year. Absolutely. All right, so, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I was kind of segueing for you there, but it's fine. It's fine. All right, so uh, four teams have new coaches here in the Pac-12. We'll just kind of go one by one, give a little bit of thoughts about it, things like that. First one is uh, Jake Dickert. He is at Washington State. This one kind of, we I went with this first because you kind of put a little bit of an asterisk by it. He was the interim last season. Um, And so... He was three and one in conference play, three and three overall uh, as the interim head coach last year, and he had a bowl loss to the Central Michigan Chippewas there yep. at the end of the season. One of the many losses coming from the Pac-12. You know yep. who coaches Central Michigan Chippewas, Stephen? I, I don't. Who coaches? Jim McElwain. Uh, that's right. I know he was there. Yeah, Jake Dickert, um, fairly unknown. Um, he took over because the head guy wouldn't get the COVID shot. Yeah, right? yeah. the The state mandated um, yeah. vaccine. Um, obviously, Washington State, being a state university, fell under that mandate. He refused. He was fired. So Dickert took over. Um, he did have a uh, dominating forty to thirteen Apple Cup victory. So mm-hmm. he does get his first Apple Cup 
Um, let's see. I believe he was. Um, he was at Wyoming. He was a defensive coordinator, so he came up on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so that's kind of where he cut his teeth. Um, he was the defensive coordinator for Washington State before he was promoted to the head coach. Um, he has made a pretty drastic turnaround for them. So, um, Jake Dickert, your new head coach of the Washington State Cougars. Very nice. All right. Uh, next, we have Dan Lanning landing a spot at Oregon. Of course, their coach moved on to some, I don't know, I guess, greener pastures. Uh, that's perhaps yeah, greener in the form of money. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, so Dan Lanning, he goes we over to Oregon. Um, Lanning, um, this is his first stint as a head coach. If you're yeah. sitting there thinking, I know this name, why do I know this name? Which, uh, you know, some of you might be doing. He was the defensive coordinator at Georgia for the last two years, including, you know, the amazing performance by the Georgia defense this past year. One of the most dominant defenses in recent memory, if not maybe all time, uh, especially with the way the game is played today. And so, uh, you know, this was one of the names that was a really hot board name. For a lot of like, I don't know, fan bases, like a lot of people were like, where is landing going to land? Who's going to get him? Who's going to get him? And um, I, I don't know, like, I understand why it makes sense from like the standpoint of, you know, very hot, impressive coordinators tend to get good shots at jobs. But at the same time, like this is his first stint ever as a head coach. And this is a pretty impressive school to get that first shot at. So I'll be interested to see what he does. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, yeah, it's hard the, for me to, like, I just have very tempered expectations, I guess. The two main concerns to me, one being, you know, we've seen this before where we've hired Nick Saban assistants that have gone on to not do um, great jobs, especially on the defense side of the ball, right? Nick Saban's a defensive head coach. He, you know, prides himself. He focuses on that side of the ball as a head coach. How much can you really trust a defensive coordinator that coaches under Nick Saban? Mm-hmm. Well, Kirby Smart came from the Nick Saban tree. Now Dan Lanning's coming from the Kirby Smart tree. So it, some of the same concerns for me still apply here. How much of this was Kirby Smart? How much of this was Dan Lanning's defense? Obviously, when you have arguably the most dominant defense of all time, you're going to get a head coaching job. The sure. other concern for me is Oregon is always, I guess not always, but... You know, Chip Kelly kind of yeah. You think of Oregon, Oregon into you this. think offense. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, I mean, like in my opinion, and, and again, this probably is some of this is my ignorance of just not knowing the Pac-12 as well as I know other conferences. But I think Pac-12, and I think offense, right? Like Mike Leach was up there for a number of years. What does USC do? They go and they hire away. Granted, he has success as a coach, but they hire offensive genius Lincoln Riley. Like you think about these scores, Pac-12 after dark. Oh, this crazy game went 62 to 59. Like, I guess like if you really brought in a super dominant defensive like team, maybe they'd be able to make splashes. But I just feel like Pac-12 is so defined more than any other conference, even the gunslinging Big 12, by their offense. Yeah, yeah, the whole West Coast offense has a name for a reason. Right. So that kind of started out there. Um, the cons- the concern again, you know, like I said, the offense, he hired uh, Kenny Dillingham to be his mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. Dillingham spent the last two seasons as Florida State's offensive coordinator. Um, not exactly the most uh, offensive happy team. You know, we've talked about their struggles. So 
I'm not sure all of that was offensive related, but um, it doesn't exactly strike fear to face Kenny Dillingham if I'm a defensive coordinator. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Um, obviously, you know, he had a great defense. Oregon, like, you know, their concerns the last few years have kind of been the defense. Maybe they're trying to right that wrong. Uh, Cristobal was an offensive guy. He was an offensive lineman. He was an offensive line coach. He kind of really made his name there. So mm-hmm. you think the offensive line will be in good shape. Um, so maybe the hope is that while the offense is still has a lot of that talent, you can maybe quick fix the defense quickly and, and get rolling there. Um, but this one, this one was somewhat head scratching to me. Uh, not the hire necessarily. I think, uh, I think Dan Lanning has a chance to be a very good head coach, but the fit was, was questionable to me. Like you said, offensive yeah. conference, defensive coordinator, not sure how that plays out long-term. It's an interesting one. And like I said, he was, he was deserving of a shot as a head coach. I have no doubt about that. I just, you just almost feel like, I don't know, some SEC or big 10 school would be the one that would, you know, land him. But Oregon's a great spot to be at. You got that Nike money. You got a lot of fun there. I mean, a good place yeah, to be. Yeah, NIL era, I think Oregon has a chance to be a major player. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens there. I just, it's hard for me to really gauge what my expectations are for him because not only is the first time as a head coach, but he's a defensive guy in an offensive world up there. And so we'll see. Someone else, uh, another new head coach there, Stephen. This one has a lot of head coaching experience, though perhaps not recently. Uh, although some, I guess, recently. Um, Kalen DeBoer, do I say that? Did I say that right? I believe so. I think that's right. He is the new head coach at Washington, so both Washington State and Washington getting some new coaches. Uh, So here's a little bit about Kalen, okay? He was at Sioux Mm -hmm. Falls for nine years, four Mm -hmm. years as the OC, five years as the head coach. His record, did you look this up? Did you you do a little research on this fella? He was 67-3. and 67 and three. He won three NAIA championship, was runner up another year, and another loss was to that same team that won the championship. It was like in the semifinals that year, like uh, not semi. Yeah, I think in the semifinals that year. Um, and then like he won to lost to one other team. Um, so phenomenal record there at Sioux Falls. Um, but I said that he was there for nine years. Don't be mistaken. He wasn't there for the last nine years. Because right. he took from 2010 to 2020, and he kind of moved to several locations. I didn't even write them all down. But basically, he was an offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach. In one place, he was wide receiver coach for yeah. several programs before he finally became head coach most recently, a couple years ago, at Fresno State. At Ooh. Fresno State, he had a 12-6 and record. Um, which is a pretty good overall. I mean, that's not bad. It's even yeah. better when you consider that he took over for uh, a head coach that was released mid-year. And so that first year that he kind of took over, he went 3-3. Three and three. So basically, as the, hey, get us through the end of the season guy, he went 3-3. Three and three. And then the next year, he goes 9-3, and three, which is an incredible, you know, increase yeah. in your program thing. So overall, as a head coach, he is 79-9 and nine as a head coach. That's impressive. Yeah. He, uh... He had, he did beat UCLA while at Fresno State. Uh-huh. He had a seven point loss to Oregon while at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, Fresno, yep. You know, so sorry, yeah, at Fresno State. So I mean, he he won some Pac twelve games before he was ever in the Pac twelve. So yeah, yeah, um, probably had a better Pac twelve record last year than some Pac twelve teams. Yeah, I mean, exactly. honestly, so, sadly. So uh, I don't know, like. 
like the hire. I really do. Well, um, I do too, but here's what I don't understand. Like, I literally this afternoon spent a little time, like, searching his name plus, like, the word scandal and controversy why and, like, so skeletons in closet. Yeah, like, literally, I don't get this. Like, I understand that Sioux Falls is an NAIA team and that you can't always take, like, oh, A plus B equals C. I mean, you know, Butch Jones was at yeah. a, I guess that was a power five and he couldn't or a, a, um, a group a group of five, and, you know, he couldn't handle it in a power five. So I understand that saying, oh, someone at NAIA, you don't go and give them a Michigan job. But I feel yeah. like at some point Why before... Why did it take 10 years yeah. to get a head coaching job whenever he was, you know, 49, whatever, what did I say? He was 67 and three yeah, as a head coach at that point. That's a dominant like, record. No so one's giving him a shot. And But, like, here's the crazy thing. It, despite my... Google foo of trying to find some skeletons in his closet. Like I couldn't find any. So this dude either has a phenomenal PR agent who has scrubbed the internet of any craziness. Like everything that I saw was like, this guy literally changed the landscape at Sioux Falls. Like they were a mediocre, nobody program. And in his second year, he's won a championship. And you know, like, I mean, just insanity of like that. So I don't know, like if he was just waiting for the right stuff to come along, it just seems crazy to me that this guy is as accomplished as he is. Um, and is just now getting a, um, yeah. a power five, uh, you know, chance. Uh, so yeah, yeah this, I like this hire. Um, this who knows if it works or not. Opposite. But This to me is the opposite of Dan Lanning. Yes, exactly. This guy 100%. is, and, and it's the total opposite right washington's been known for their defense for the last several years and that's kind of where they've hung their hat um jim jimmy lake takes over sure. as the defense coordinator all of that uh and DeBoer with with kalen DeBoer here um he had in 2021 they were first in the in the conference 14th in the nation a total offense 26th in the fbs in scoring um the bulldogs passing offense ranked second in the conference and ninth in the country i mean this is a guy that's made his career on the offense side of the ball and, you know, Washington looks like they're trying to finally break out of that slump they've had. You know, they, they were beating teams, you know, seven to three and, right. and all of these snooze fests out there. They're ready to break into the new era of, of, um, of college football here and try to try to get this thing turned around. I, really I like, like the hire. hire. I do, too. I really like it. I don't know. You know, maybe we're going to find out why he hadn't had this chance before, but. I would yeah. rather, as a fan, like, you know, obviously if I'm at OU or Texas or Tennessee, I want to go get a high. Like, I want a big hire. I want to be like the USC that goes and gets a proven coach, right? Like, yeah. so don't hear me from that stand. I'm not saying that, like, uh, Oklahoma should have went and got this guy. But I do think that, like, perfect hire for a team like Washington. This would be an amazing hire for a team like Vanderbilt or Missouri or you know, yeah, why is Colorado, taking a chance on this guy? You know, like, yeah, this is a guy who has proven head coaching experience and has turned teams around. Why not give him a shot? Why am I going to be so willing to pay a $12 million buyout to a defensive coordinator who's never run a program, but not to a guy who's run a program with lesser facilities and lesser athletes and has done well? Again, yeah. do I think uh, Kalen DeBoer is going to be holding up a national championship in the next five years? Probably not. No. Do I think he's going to make Washington a better team? I hope so. I think he could. Uh, mm-hmm. And more than anything, I think certainly Washington's not going to regress under him. Or at least I don't think. I, I don't. 
I'm less concerned about that than I am concerned about Oregon regressing under Dan Lanning, who's going to be trying to get his sea legs, so to speak. So yeah. And okay, those final those one. three coaches, the only changes in yeah. the Pac-12, nothing else yeah. happened here. Nope, nothing at all. Literally, my notes with have... Lincoln Riley to USC. All I could say is, what can we say about old LR? Which at least I didn't you put T B O W. You know, yeah, that boy you know, out west. I think, I, that's, know, I think that's what that means. I know you have the spurned lover feeling, and and I understand. Here's what I thought, uh, though, Stephen, because you know we yeah. talked about this, and and. You know, I agree that a lot of OU fans have been a little too whiny about this whole situation. And at some point, you just got to let it go. Mm-hmm. But I've really I've thought about this. <clears throat> In your lifetime, yeah. no school, Texas or Tennessee, that you support has ever had a coach, correct me if I'm wrong, because some of the Tennessee stuff gets a little fuzzy, never had a coach leave for a, another job. Well, we, we literally had a coach leave for this job. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. And he said it around here. Now, in more recent years, some fans are like, oh, bring him back, bring him back, yada, 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 yada. But, I mean, that dude is pretty hated around here. Like, Yeah, I think the difference is he was here for one year. Yeah. And he talked the talk, and then he bolted in the middle of the night. Well, the bolting in the middle of the night is pretty close. Lincoln Riley I've, is. I only here thought for about this for the years. last. I only thought no. about this for the last twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. called me last night. Yeah, but, it, but this is what I'm saying. Think of how angry Tennessee fans were at Lane Kiffin oh, for jumping I've, to USC. I've seen get over it for years. Well, I, I don't know. Care. But I'm just saying, like, think about how much more angry you would be if Lane had been here for four years, won you a couple of Heisman contenders, got you to the playoffs, nearly won you championships, and then yeah. bolted. Like, well, they would literally, it would no longer enough, be Nick. called Fire Lane. It would be it's, called, like, only emergency vehicles can park here because the word Lane would never be allowed to be spoken <laughs> this state again. So, his, but really, I think that's a problem. Wasn't good enough, Nick. Yeah, that's right. Good well, good luck, buddy, because you're not recruiting better than you were so, at Oklahoma so far. So Lincoln Riley, in five years at Oklahoma, compiles a record of 55 and 10. Yeah, it's an 846 win percentage. Uh, that's very, very good. If you're wondering, it's good. It's not bad. Um, he makes won a couple of conference championships. Right? Uh, yeah, three, I think. Um. You know, this is four Big Twelve championships, three college football playoff appearances, two Heisman Trophy winners, plus and a partridge in a pear two. tree. Twenty eighteen Big Twelve Coach of the Year. This guy did it all at Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, this was a huge, huge hire. It was. I, I can't um, think of a more impressive, and, and I'll give credit to you uh, to USC for this um, because I am a spurned this, lover, but I'm not too biased. I can't think of a better hire. Like from going and scooping a proven coach in my life, no, I'm sure it's happened, this, but I can't think of one. I mean, Brian, Brian Kelly is the Brian other. Kelly was good, but you know, he does not have as as impressive as a resume or probably ceiling as Lincoln Riley. Brian does. Brian Kelly is on the backside of his career. Lincoln right. Riley is firmly in his prime right now. Right. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was the youngest head coach when he was hired at the time. He was 33, so he's not even 40 yet. He's been a head coach at a Power 5 team for five years, made three college football playoff appearances at that school, and you steal him away. Yeah. Now, we've talked about all the reasons why this happened. We don't need to recap that. This is not a Lincoln Rally episode. But this hire was massive, and it shook college football completely on its head. 
I mean, huge congratulations to USC for landing that. That was impressive, especially since it only took him like three hours to line this whole deal up. <laughs> so, I mean, amazing. So with that, let's just dive into our next segment here and talk about some of the key transfers. Yeah, because so, that plays really key into it. Yeah, so Lincoln Riley bolts, and he takes Caleb Williams and Mario uh, Williams with Mario Williams, Mario Mims. What's the name? Yeah, Mario Mims. Mm-hmm. Mario Mims. Okay, with him to USC. They yeah. also add Jordan Addison, the Bletnikoff winner from Pittsburgh last year as a wide receiver, um, as well as eleven other transfers, uh, including mm-hmm. running back Travis Dye from Oregon. So he brings in 14, 15 transfers. By the way, I know not a – yeah, it does. Not not a player, but um, Lincoln also takes his D.C. from Oklahoma, yeah. Alex Grinch, with him um, as well. Yeah. Um, he yeah. also took several other Oklahoma players. Um, he changed USC overnight. He really yeah. did. Or over a three-week stretch or you know, two-month stretch, whatever it is. Right. Uh, this is a huge, huge deal that USC is trying to pull off here. We've talked about in the past. Lincoln Riley has recruited the state of California very well while at Oklahoma. Now he gets to do that from his own state. He's now at the flagship university. I mean, this is a huge get. This is a huge shifting of the tides in college football, in my opinion. Um, and you know, we'll talk about where we think they finish here in a minute. But yeah, uh, some other key transfers, just to name a few. Bo Nix from Auburn joins mm-hmm. Oregon, goes up there with Dan Lanning. Yeah. So hopefully that'll help uh, Dan Lanning get that that thing going. Uh, and then Michael Penix Jr. from mm-hmm. Indiana goes to Washington. Not sure he wins that job immediately, Ooh. but that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, you know, Penix like, was a dark horse Heisman contender yeah. for me last year going there at Indiana. Um, yeah. And that guy's just so injury prone. Like, I hope the best for him. And I hope he goes there, mm-hmm. wins the job, stay healthy, but... I feel like sometimes someone coughs in that guy's direction and he breaks a bone or something, you know, cracks it's a rib. COVID. It's COVID. Um, it could be COVID. Long-term COVID. Never know. Um, what are some of the key transfers? Um, so let's go look at the conference as a whole. Yeah, um, for sure. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the bottom. Um, I have my bottom feeder teams as Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Oregon State. Okay. Uh, don't see a whole lot happening from those teams. Okay. Um, Obviously, things happen. Team mm-hmm. comes out of nowhere, but um, Arizona's had a really tumultuous offseason. Arizona State had issues with Herm Edwards, where they almost fired him, and then they were going to fire him, and then they didn't fire him. It was very weird. Right. Um, and then Colorado and Oregon State, I just don't know where they're heading. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and give me your middle of the road, and then I'll give you my bottom feeders in the middle of the road, because they're yep. almost identical, so... My middle of the road, Cal, Stanford, and Washington. Um, you know, I like the Kalen DeBoer hire. I just think it's too early. Um, yeah. Oregon's left with a lot on the shelf because mm-hmm. Oregon, you know, Cristobal kind of bolted similarly to Lincoln Riley. Right. You know, he had a he but had didn't a team have built. the didn't have the pull to take his players with him like Lincoln did. Correct. So yeah. the the cupboard stocked there. Yeah. So. Um, and and Kalen DeBoer tried. He tried to bring. Um, Jake Hayner, the quarterback at Fresno State with him. Uh, Hayner briefly was in the portal, and then he decided to return to Fresno State, did not want to spurn his teammates, and wanted to go back there. So um, impressive. In this so day and think, age, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so I think Washington's a couple years away. I think Washington moves up my list next year. Uh, Cal and Stanford. Stanford's been a just a bad team for the last few years. I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on there. Not really sure why David Shaw's not getting any heat. I, you know, I don't know. In today's age with – with the way of coaches are getting fired, David Shaw has not been good and just seems to be fine. Got to be a big uh, year buyout. In, year out. 
Um, and then Cal. I mean, Cal's hmm. Cal, right? Yeah. I mean, Cal, and this this you say Cal's Cal, and that's the only difference in our two list is I would move Oregon State up to the middle of the road, mm-hmm. and I would put um, I would put uh, Cal in the bottom field. Yeah, and and that's fair. The only reason I have those flip flopped, I, I think Justin Wilcox is a little bit better coach than uh, yeah. I can see that, but I think Oregon State was. I don't know. I just, for some reason, and, and they kind of would make my dark horse kind of list as well as we'll talk about kind of some matchups here in a little bit. But, um, like, I just feel like they're in a position that I wouldn't be surprised if they take a step forward. And by that, I don't necessarily, although, you know, dark horse side, that anything can happen. But realistically, what I think that means is, like, winning seven games. Um, I think that could very easily happen for a team like Oregon State this year, whereas I think Cal is going to be lucky to win, like, four games this year. Yeah, um, so, you know, my, I certainly see both of those. You know, I don't think yeah. it really matters. Both no, we'll listen to this in a year, and, you know, for some yeah. reason it'll be like, you know, I'm Cal's making the national championship game. Yeah, exactly. uh, barely yeah. escaping in ahead of Oregon State in the rankings. Yeah. So, who knows? Um, so, you know, where, where we want to focus and where this matters is on title contenders, right? Yeah, who has, sure. Who's the title contender both in the conference and who has a realistic shot at a playoff? Right. Um, and so in no particular order here, mm-hmm. I will start with Oregon. Okay. Um, and so what I have in Oregon, can Dan, can Dan Lanning improve on what Mario Cristobal was building? They lose arguably their best player from a season ago, uh, top five pick Kayvon Thibodeau at the defensive end, um, as well as their top receivers and running back. But they do return 14 starters overall. So co- like I said, coverage are not bare. He has some, some stuff to work with. The addition of Bo Nix after portaling from Auburn should help steady the tides at quarterback, but this is all going to come down to the defense, right? I mean, Landing, that's where he's made his bread and butter. He's hoping to make his mark at his first stop as head coach. I assume he wants to do that with the defense side of the ball. Um, and the good news there is they do have linebacker Noah Sewell to help with that. He should be um, – I think he's a preseason All-American. He's on all the watch lists for top linebackers. And they also miss USC, which I think helps them. So they would not mm-hmm. face USC until a uh, a championship game there. So yeah, that's my thoughts on Oregon. Okay, well, you know, as the OU fan who wants um, USC to not do well, I'll go ahead and say that they are also very strongly a title contender um, for yeah. all the reasons we've already talked about. They're bringing in a coach who is uh, just has nothing but a track record of winning, winning conference championships, getting to the playoffs. Etc. 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 I had it here, and I'm trying to find it. Oh yeah, they are plus. Mm, hold on, that's not the what I was looking at. Man, it was part of that tweet that you sent me earlier today from Todd Furman, who you know kind of talked about how he thinks there might be a little more hype to USC than is probably deserving. Um, and someone asked him like, "What do you think that?" And he listed off the like odds of them winning the you know, Pac-12 championship by bet makers and all that. And it's something ridiculous, like 250 to one odds or something, something goofy like that. So there's a lot of hype on USC because of all of the changes that they made and all that. And I think there's a, I mean, I would not be surprised if they win the Pac-12 this year, but at the same time, I don't think that they are a shoe in to win the Pac-12. Um, yes, a lot of the offense, or at least you know, some of your playmakers, including your quarterback, which is the most important position to have on the same page with the head coach slash offensive coordinator, which is what Lincoln Riley is. He's going to call all those plays. Obviously, you're at an amazing advantage to bring in the guy that you were working with a year ago. Um, but uh, you know, this is still year one. 
this is still going to be a very defensive um, question mark with Alex Grinch coming in. Uh, now, you know, my luck as a Sooner fan, he'll have the best defense, you know, statistically in the history of ever this year. But, you know, besides that uh, miracle happening, I think uh, USC is in a good spot to be a very dominant team. Uh, with that said, I, you know, I don't think that they're going to be the best team in history this year. Yeah, so uh, USC is the odds-on favorite, according to DraftKings, to win the Pac-12 championship this, this season at plus 210. Utah 210. comes in second at plus 250, Oregon at plus 290. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they are the odds-on favorite right now. Yeah. Uh, my few thoughts on USC, uh, can Lincoln Riley turn the Trojans into a playoff contender? Yes, I believe he can do that. Sure. Can he do it in year one? I'm mm. not so confident. Yeah, that's hard uh, for like, anyone. You know, he does have Caleb Williams. That helps. Yeah. He's used to his system, all of that. Um, but, you know, I think you mentioned there, but the question with Lincoln Riley is, and will forever be until he resolves it, is can he sort out a defense? And everybody asks that question. We've seen Alex Grinch try it. He's not exactly proven his worth. Uh, while he was at Oklahoma, can he do it with, quote, unquote, better athletes and a better roster at USC? I don't know. Yeah. But, um I'm not sold on Alex Grinch, and that's why I, I don't think they are my favorite currently. Uh, my last title contender out of this conference is Utah. Sure. They return Cam Rising, quarterback from last season, who played very well. But they do lose several starters from last season, including a first-round pick uh, and linebacker Devin Lloyd. Um, they are going to hope that Florida transfer Mohamed Diabite will help ease the burden of losing him. But, you know, Utah, they won it last year. We've talked about it before. <clears throat> You know, we talk about it with Alabama. We talk about it with with Clemson last year. Right now, there's no reason not to think Utah is not in the driver's seat, or at least has a seat at the table. Yeah. Um, until somebody else proves it. So, uh, Willingham's probably the best coach in the conference right now. Um, yeah. and so I'm going to ride with that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, obviously, Oregon and USC are, without a doubt, title contenders, at least for the conference championship, which is what we're talking about now. We're not necessarily talking about national championship, um, but they are the contenders for that conference championship, but obviously so is Utah, and what does Utah have that Oregon and USC doesn't, and that is stability in their coaching positions. Um, now, are both you know USC's and now Oregon's coach better than Utah's coach, like raw talent? Well, I think probably Lincoln is. The jury's way out on you know what Oregon's got going on with Lanning, but... Right. Someone who's there, the players trust their coach. He's built his system and all that, and he's he's bringing back a great team still. So I agree with you that Utah is definitely a title contender, and at least for another year or two, maybe has an edge over Oregon and USC in regards to having that coaching stability. Yeah. So uh, dark horses. Um, I'll give you. Um, I'll let you go first if you want. Uh, sure. Um, so. One of mine is Oregon State. Again, I don't... If we're really starting to say Dark Horse to come and win the conference, um, probably not, right? I think things would have to really fall well their way. But I think to overperform from what a lot of people are expecting and certainly to take a huge step forward from what they were last year, I could absolutely see... um, I could see them doing that for sure. Yeah. Um, My Dark Horse to win the conference would be UCLA. Yeah. Um, They have Dorian Thompson-Robinson back for his 37th season. Seems like um, yeah, he sure. led the Bruins last year to an eight and four record uh, with wins over USC and Washington, um, as well as LSU out of conference. Now, all those teams were kind of bad last year, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about it. USC fired their coach like eight seconds into the first game. 
and then LSU fires Ed Orgeron uh, way too late. Um, but it does seem like Chip Kelly might have hit a turning point last year. Uh, the offense averaged 36.5 points per game. Can they repeat that? Can they build on that? Can their defense stop a nosebleed and maybe allow their offense to take a break every now and then? Um, I don't know. That's kind of interesting. But it's called a dark horse for a reason, right? Yep. So my dark horse to win the conference or to at least make a play for the conference is Washington State. Okay. Now, they're not projected to be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like we mentioned earlier, they named interim coach Jake Dickert the full-time man after he stepped up to study the ship last year during their COVID vaccine issue. Um, and he decided to dive into the transfer portal himself. He goes and grabs former Incarnate Word quarterback Cameron Ward, <clears throat> who last season threw for 4,648 yards and 47 touchdowns. Now, we've talked about the jump that Kalen DeBoer is going to make at Washington. You know, he was at Sioux Falls. It's a different level. Incarnate Word is an FCS team. But 4,700 yards and 47 touchdowns is 4,700 yards and 47 touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and Dickert also... To go with that, hired the former Incarnate Word head coach to call the place as new offensive coordinator. So that should help Ward with this transition from the FCS level to the Power 5 level, kind of, sort of, if you want to call the Pac-12 the Power 5. <laughs> um, so Ward does still have plenty of weapons in Renard Ball. He was injured last year, but he does have 16 career touchdowns. And Deshaun Stribling, who last year as a true freshman, had 44 catches, 471 yards, and 5 touchdowns. Uh, Dickert has already uh, helped their defense vastly since he got there. He took another step forward last year, his first as the head coach. So if the defense takes another step, if Cameron Ward adapts to the power five level, you know, could Washington state make their first ever PAC 12 title game? I don't see why not. Yeah. Well, the one thing is for, that seems certain to me is that the PAC 12 is very wide open, especially this year. Um, because you have some of these guys that are coming in that could be dominant forces in their inaugural seasons. So there could be some learning curves, some step stumbles along the way. And then in a couple of years, they're gone anyway, or at least a couple of them are. So that yeah. kind of opens the door up again. So the Pac-12 is uh, definitely a conference that is probably the hardest to predict. You know, there's always parity, or there's more parity in college football now than ever before. You know, last year we were certain that Clemson would be a dominant team, and that was not the case. But the Pac-12, really, I think, you know, you got some really bottom feeders that would take a miracle for something good to happen. But I think of those title contenders, any three are viable, and I think there's one or two other teams that could come and sneak in and be equally as viable, not because they go on some 12-0 and run to get there, but because the whole conference could literally just collapse. And you could see what happened last year where you're having the, you know, championship game between two teams that are still going to rank outside of the top 10 at the end of the season. So um, anyway, interesting thing there. Let's talk a couple of key matchups. Yeah. Give me your first one there. Or do you want me All right, so no, I can go first. It's fine. Let's do okay. uh, let's do in conference and then we'll look yeah. at any out of conference. So um, I'll just give you my three real quick here. They might be the same as yours. So I won't, I won't elaborate on, on them yet until we kind of mm-hmm. hear what you got. So, um, really, they involve you know, a couple different, te- well, uh, multiple teams are going to show up repeatedly here. USC hosts UCLA on November yeah. 20th. I think that's going to be a fun one. If for no other reason yeah. than these are the two teams that are jumping ship here in a couple of years, they're rivals, they're in state, all that fun stuff. So, uh, it's going to be Lincoln Riley. Yeah. It's going to be Lincoln Riley versus Chip Kelly. So, kind of like. The grandfather of this fast-paced, run-and-gun, 
um, offensive system versus Lincoln Riley, who not exactly the same system, you know, obviously as Chip Kelly, but there are reminiscent kind of flares. I know he comes from a different tree branch. He comes from the Mike Leeds tree branch. Um, and whatnot, but that'll be a fun, fun one to see. Another one that I have is USC showing up again, hosting Utah on the fourth of October. Just it's because, uh, oh, is that Utah? Okay, I must yeah. have written that down incorrectly. Um, because I was like, man, USC is getting lucky with who they're getting to host here. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just think that could be obviously a very um, important game for the standings later in the season. So that'll be a good one to watch. And then my last one is Utah um, hosting Oregon on 11-20. Uh, that's a rematch of last year's and could, again, very much have some implications on what will happen, if not necessarily in the playoff or in the, uh, sorry, in the conference championship game. It could have big indications on what happens with the team getting into the playoffs. Yeah, actually, we have no no repeats here. Oh, nice. Uh, well, I'm sorry. We I mean, have USC Utah. That one repeats. Okay. So, um, you know, Lincoln Riley does avoid Oregon and Washington his debut season. So this is kind of his big road matchup here with, yeah. uh, with Utah on October 15th. Um, I think it will be a huge game. Uh, the winner of this one is in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 South. And it's also Riley's first real test if you look at his opening slate. They have Rice, Stanford, Fresno State, Oregon State, Arizona State. Um and then Washington State. So Utah is kind of his first real test. Washington State could be kind of a test, but um, you know it's on the road, so it's certainly going to be a tough one, I think. And then the other one I had was UCLA at Oregon. Um, you know, this is October twenty second. Chip Kelly is traveling to Eugene um, to take on the Ducks. Uh, he's coming home. Both is this going to be his first time? This can't be his first time going to Oregon, right? No, he's been there for three or four years, so I'd say he's been there at least once. Uh, the Bruins are coming off a bye, so is Oregon. Um, but this is UCLA. This is two weeks after a big game against Stanford. Um, mentioned Stanford's not been very good, but certainly a big game for UCLA Stanford. So um, I think that one has major implications for the conference. And then my one big non-conference matchup I'm going to focus on is Utah and Florida. Don't know what you picked, but uh, I'll dive in on Utah Florida here. So Utah travels to Gainesville. So kudos to them for traveling all the way across the country here. Yeah, uh, not doing a neutral site thing. They're going to Gainesville to kick off the season and uh, what I'm dubbing the Urban Meyer Classic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not really, but it, you know, it could be. <laughs> Meyer sure. goes to both places. Yeah. Uh, Utah, they, they look to make a statement right out of the gate. Um, but Florida also wants to make a big statement here, right? This is the first era of the Billy Napier, or first game of the Billy Napier era. Um, so they're not going to roll over in that game. Can Utah start off with a bang and make a run at the college football playoff, or will Napier prove to be the right man for the job with the Gators? Um, either way, at least Urban Meyer isn't coaching. <laughs> no doubt about it. Give it a year and then it's... Yeah, right. Whatever. He'll find a way. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're in the non-conference matchups, right? You just gave yeah. us one so far? Mm-hmm. All right, good. Uh, so my first one is um, UCLA hosting LSU on yeah. September 4th. It's an early season game. Um, and then this is also going to be, you know, I probably should have saved this one more for more talking about um, the SEC, because this is, it's not that it's not a big game for UCLA. Obviously it is. They won this matchup a year ago. They're going to want to win it again on their home, uh, you know, field. But obviously this is more indicative of what's going to be happening at LSU. Are they getting turned around? It's Kelly Bowl. 
So, um, so yeah, I'm excited for that matchup. I think that it's fun. It's early season. Two Power 5 teams from different conferences going head-to-head that early in the season when teams don't have everything figured out yet is always fun because you just you can't predict it. Another one of my big non-conference matchups uh, is the next week on 9-11. It's Oregon at Ohio State. So, again, yeah. just another, um, you know, Power 5 matchup. Oregon getting to maybe make a bid, a plea. Here's our tryout video for getting into your conference. Bring us along. Come on. You want the Eugene market, don't you? Um, <laughs> no, that'll be fun. We've got, uh, you know, Oregon new coach. It's going to be his first really big test going out there. Yeah. What's Landing going to do? His defense is going to have to play well because Ohio State is one of those teams that can have a very explosive offense. Absolutely. Um, some other fun ones uh, still on here. You got Oregon BYU September 17th. Um, I think you have last year's schedule, by the way. Oregon plays Georgia this year. Is that somehow looking at last year's schedule? I think you are. Man, okay. So, um, that stinks. USC Notre Dame November 26th. That's a, um, that's always a fun game, right? USC Notre Dame. Um, this is Marcus Freeman's first year at Notre Dame. This is Lincoln Riley's first year at USC. So we got a lot happening here. Um, yes. Yeah. I must have been somehow looking at last year's schedule because, yeah, my notes aren't matching up at all right there. <laughs> my bad. Uh, Oregon, Georgia, though. So Dan Lanning gets to okay. face his old team. So yeah. That's even better. That's, that's even better. Um, Bo Nix gets to face off against the Georgia team he's played the last three years. I think he's. Yeah. Um, so a lot of familiar faces on both sides of that matchup. So that'll be fun to watch. Um and then Arizona State, Oklahoma State, uh, probably not super fun, but it could be interesting. Could be. Um, and then Washington, Michigan State. That's kind of uh, Washington's big test here. That you know, you mentioned a potential uh, tryout for the new conference. Maybe this is Washington's chance to beat old Mel so. Tucker and his seven hundred million dollar deal he got. <laughs> um, that's it. That's all I have. Uh, okay. Moving yeah, on yeah. to Heisman contenders. Okay. Um, Legitimately, I think there's only one. There's only yeah. one legit contender I have. Right. Um, I'm sure you have the same guy. It's Caleb Williams. Jaden Back oh, USD. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's really the only legit contender I see for the Pac 12. For sure. Um, plays in a very quarterback friendly system with Lincoln Riley, who's produced like 12 Heisman candidates in the last four years. Um, he knows the system. It's not a new system for him. He has legit weapons in Jordan Addison and Mario Mims. Um, and I expect that USC wins a lot of games. And for that yeah. to be the case, we've seen it for years. It's not going to be on the back of the defense. Yeah. So I expect Caleb Williams to put up video game style numbers. And I would not be shocked at all to hear his name actually called in New York. Nice. Real quick, shout out to Compost and M4D1 for the resub. Five months. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's TJ. A little bit of a name change, Teach. Is that what's happening there, buddy? I had to, like, double-check that. All right, appreciate that reset, though, man. Um, yes, Caleb Williams, I think, is the most likely, the most legitimate one on there. I'm sorry, I was a little distracted trying to chase down that uh, notification. Did you mention... Who else did you mention? Just give me their names. I, I only gave really uh, only. Caleb Williams for a favorite. Okay. Don't have any other... <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I put a second name just because, but really he should probably be on the dark horse more mm-hmm. than on that, but uh, Cameron Rising, right? He's the quarterback at yeah. Utah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he plays well and Utah's doing well and they're going out to win the conference, you could potentially see him getting a little bit of love. Another yep. dark horse, Jaden Daniels. I don't really know much about him, but he had some odds, you know, on some Heisman things, um, mm-hmm. watch list. So he's at Arizona State as their quarterback. I just don't think Arizona State's going to be relevant enough. Like, I think no. Jaden could go out and could just throw for, you know, a million he's touchdowns a guy, and a thousand hundred yards and whatever. And he's a guy that three weeks in will start saying, wow, you look at this Jaden Daniels guy. He's making some noise. And then yeah. they'll get into conference play and oh, they'll be like, yeah, that's what that I guy mean. again? Uh, and then, I have two dark horses, so sorry. All right, I, I, got, I just got one last one because I rode with him last year. Let's ride it again. Phoenix Jr., come on, baby. All right, I like it. My dark horse is Bo Nix uh, making the move to Oregon from like Auburn. That. That's a good one. Um, if they make the playoff, you know, I, I do think it's probably from the defensive side of the ball. But um, quarterback, you know, as we've seen in years past, if your team's good, your quarterback is probably in the hunt for something. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's good enough to win the Heisman, but he was a, a highly rated guy coming out of high school. He has the tools if he can get it all together. You know, I think he, uh, I think he can at least make it to New York for the ceremony. And then my really dark horse, you know, I mentioned him earlier, but Cameron Ward, the quarterback at Washington State. I mean, the dude threw for forty seven hundred yards and nearly fifty touchdowns. True. Like, you know, I know it's count the, for something. I know it came at the at the FCS level, but again, is the Pac twelve really that much better? Like, is <laughs> no. it really that True. much better? Yeah. So we'll find out. I guess. Aside, yeah. Hold choking aside, I think Ward has the talent to be a sleeper pick for the Heisman, um, especially since he will be playing in the same offense that saw him explode just twelve months ago. Yeah. You know, all the pieces are there for him to make a run if Washington State gets hot again. I doubt he wins the thing, but it would be yeah. fun to see him get some buzz and maybe make sure. it to New York for sure. All right, let's finish this bad boy off with our picks yeah. to win. Uh, in the South, I have three teams that I think are reasonable contenders, uh, yep. UCLA, USC, and Utah. And uh, out of that, um, you know, I think any three could win. I, that was in reverse order of who I think will win. So I think UCLA has the third best chance, USC second, and mm-hmm. first Utah. So I'll pick Utah coming out of the South. And then in the yep. North, I think Washington, Oregon State, and Oregon are actually mine. So kind of a little bit of wildness there I got going on in the North. But I think Oregon yep. wins that. Handily, um, I like it, man. I like him. Make a yeah. push for it. Like uh, I think Oregon wins it, so I think we're going to have another Oregon-Utah matchup. And, you know, this is preseason, so it's crazy to pick it this early, but I think Utah wins it again because of some coaching stability and just more time there getting that system implemented. Dan Laning got a little learning curve to go. Um, so I'll take Utah over Oregon, and they still won't make the playoffs. Yeah, this is after all the names we've thrown out here, we're uh, we're going chalk here. Um, I'm with you. I think USC has a chance. Um, I think Washington has a chance. I'm not bullish on Oregon State. Not really all that bullish on UCLA. So I have Utah and Oregon go into this championship game a repeat of last year's game. Um, and uh, you know, I do like Oregon's schedule. They don't have to play USC. They don't really have any tough back to backs, at least not without a buy in there. So I think they make it out of the north. And then I'm riding Kyle Willingham's experience. M Rising's arm talent to clip USC in the South, and I'm taking Utah to win that game over Oregon. Um, another close, um, low-scoring game, I think. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I like Utah there, but I, I'm with you. I don't think they get through unscathed, so I don't think they make it into the college football playoff, at least not without significant help. Um, you know, I, I foresee Utah having probably two losses at minimum. Um, the hope for if you're a Utah fan, the hope is you do get that out of conference game early against Florida, 
Don't know how good Florida's going to end up being next year. We'll find out in a few weeks. I'm not very high on Florida. But, you know, if Florida manages to have a decent season and you, and you are able to catch them early and beat them, that could be a very, really big um, resume booster for you that could, uh, could ultimately pay off at the end of the season. Yeah, makes sense. All right, Stephen, any final thoughts about the Pac-12? No, I'm excited. Uh, for the first time in a long time, I'm a little excited to watch um, some Pac-12 games. I do, I'm do. i intrigued by the Lincoln-Riley experiment mm-hmm. in uh, in the L.A. there, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, and then, obviously, we're two years away from USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. Do some of these teams, you know, we saw the, the treatment that yeah. – Texas and Oklahoma got last year. Um, we both we noted it several times that it certainly looked in some games that um, there was some jilting from the conference going on with some of the matchups and the calls and all of that. So, uh, be certainly interested to see if any of that kind of back channel, underhanded stuff happens to either USC or UCLA. But I'm excited to see how Lincoln Riley does. Um, he's a fun offense to watch. He'll have all the weapons he can ever hope for out there. So, um, we'll see how it plays out. I like it, yeah. So that is uh, the Pac-12 in a nutshell, and we are just excited to continue breaking down some more conferences. Uh, I am out of town next week. I am enjoying the last little bit of summer. I'm going to go to the beach. So what are we doing next week, Stephen? Um, Not sure yet. We will hold off on um, on any kind of previews. I think we have time to hold off a week. So... um... Not sure I'll be able to get a show out, so we might just take the week off. Okay. Um, we'll update you on the socials. Back, we'll do something. But when we come back, what are we doing next? We will have uh, we'll have the Big Ten next. So okay. we'll go Big Ten, then the ACC. We'll finish with our two favorite conferences. Sounds perfect. All right, Stephen, you have anything else we need to plug before we sign off? Nope. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number 87 of the Sports Corner Podcast. As a reminder, you can find us on social media at PastorNick86, at McCoy 23 or on Facebook and Twitter at SportsCorner865. This is going to be uploaded on your favorite podcast app. Please go give us a follow, a like, a thumbs up, a five-star review. Share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow the show. We would appreciate that so much. Until next time, this has been the Sports Corner. Corner Podcast.